Hello and welcome to episode 29 of Checking the Gate, a film and religion podcast, where every month Mike and I will look at a different movie and evaluate its religious content to see if it's relevant to us today. And TV shows, too, so uh, we have a couple up for bat. Uh, I am Robert Wright Sasko. I am Michael M. Patty. And today we're looking at uh, two different things that we never thought would put on our schedule. This is kind of a, on the last minute, kind of a, it's, what are we going to do for Christmas kind of thing. Right. So Much like one's own family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so today we're looking at uh, the movie Joy Noel, a, uh, a foreign flick. And also, uh, in TV Corner, Veggie Tales, which my daughter is currently smitten with. Yes, my kids are past the the Veggie Tales thing, but we did that for many many years. I I worry I will never get past it because all of the singing will be stuck in my head the rest of my life. Oh, on car trips we still sing the Water Buffalo song. <laughs> my wife knows it better than I do, but. And there are times where I'm honestly I'm I'm looking to comb my hair in the morning and I'm oh where is my hairbrush? <laughs> yes, that's what I'm talking oh, about. Where that is, is exactly hairbrush? what I'm talking about. That is going to be yeah, ten years from now. Yeah. And what was the other one? Uh Barbara Manatee. Oh yeah. We've she likes that one. Yeah, and um the cheeseburger song as well. Yeah, that one that one's alright. We we've heard that one a couple times. My that's cheeseburger. That's not, cheeseburger. That's not one of her favorites. Yeah. It was I, one I of like ours. I like Where Have All the Staplers Gone because it's a Broadway spoof and it's about office supplies. Yeah. You know what that that was I think a newer one and a little past my time. I've not heard the stapler okay. song. Okay. But I'll, uh, I, I I'll play it for you later. <laughs> But before we get into the more of the joys of Veggie Tales, we're going to talk about a Joy Noel. Uh, may I pronounce it right for the audience? Y- yes, please. Uh, I I took four years of French, so I you know I need to put that to practical use uh, whenever possible. <laughs> Joya Noel, which translates in French to Merry Christmas. I did not know that. See, I know Spanish, and I know a smattering of German. I took German in high school. And all the Esperanto you know comes from watching that William Shatner movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, the City Speak from Blade Runner. And, <laughs> and don't forget Darmok and Jalad, Jalad at, at Tanagra. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, what, what were we talking about? Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, four which languages. Means, which means Merry Christmas in yes. French. How do you say Merry Christmas in Klingon? I don't I don't think they have it. It says, I will kill you this holiday, is what it translates <laughs> to. Kapla. Uh, okay, Perhaps so... today is a good day to open presents. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be uh, one of those episodes, folks, and I didn't even have coffee today. Three minutes in and we're already <laughs> off the rails. All right. Uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. We'll see you soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's give a rundown of the movie. It's... Uh, it's World War One. People are fighting each other. We see in the trenches of the front lines uh, Germans, uh, French, and Scottish, and they're all fighting, and then it's Christmas, and then they're not fighting, and their superiors are mad at them, and then everybody leaves the front, and eventually World War One ends. Yeah. Now you don't have to watch the movie. From your uh, rather terse <laughs> rundown of the movie, I, I think you didn't like it very much. It was okay. I... I thought it was going to be better. 
I don't want to say it's because it's a foreign film. I'm going to go ahead and put the onus of ownership on myself and say I didn't care for it because of the dramatic beats, I suppose, I was expecting. But it really is... There's all the war action up front, and then really nothing much happens the rest of the movie. It's it's really hard to structure a dramatic narrative around a plot line where nothing happens. And that seems to have been lost on the filmmakers, I believe. They, they emphasized the tragedy of them having to go back to fighting each other, and I, and I get that. But their jobs as screenwriters was to make that a little more interesting than they actually did. Yeah. Because very little does happen. I liked it because, I guess, because nothing happens. Um, I did, I did. (laughs) Maybe I'm jaded. Maybe it's because I had watched the mid-season finale of The Walking Dead earlier in the day. But I did expect some Yahoo to just start shooting. Yeah. And I couldn't, I also couldn't help but think there's no way American troops would ever do this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the movie starts out very interestingly. Um, they have a, a German, Scottish and French students, uh, students in a classroom and reciting these very nationalistic hymns. Yeah. You know, and they are hymns like the kind you sing at a church, but singing the praises of their country and, and how the enemy needs to be killed. Yeah. Smote even. Yeah. And it's sort of ingrained, uh, you know, and this is, this goes along with the, like the nationalistic fervor that hit Europe, you know, at the you know end of 19th, beginning of the 20th century. You know what doesn't work so well? When you're on a continent with a bunch of other little countries that are all the same size as you, and then deciding to be nationalistic about your own. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that hasn't worked out really well over the millennia, guys. Yeah. yeah, well, like, in terms of, like, Germany and Italy, if you look at, you know, the time, they were all little provinces and city-states, and they finally united into countries, and they got their politics together, uh, uh, you know, in the form of, uh, you know, fascism. You know, that, that happened later, you know, after World War One, but it's still... It got unhealthy. I mean, this is the kind of attitude, we you know, we see all through European history, especially with... Uh, I guess the best examples we have is in like Shakespeare's plays, you know, the his historical plays. You especially see the French and English rivalry and um, how at times they were brought together and then just to be, you know, in another generation, you know, just torn apart by war again. But it got really unhealthy when we started devising better ways of killing each other. <laughs> yeah. You know, machine guns and gas, and it, it just got, you know, warfare just turned into a really bad idea really quick. And um, World War One, you know, they called it the war to end our wars and, until, you know, 10 years later. Yeah. <laughs> we had the yeah. another one. Getting a little more on topic, going back to religion more so than uh, politics. One of the main characters on the Scottish side is a local clergyman who doesn't really want to fight. And oh, oh and the, the, the movie proper after all of the uh, the school children are talking about how much they hate Germans and Scottish and French. Then we cut to Scotland with the priest and two brothers in the parish, and I I think the one brother busts in. He's not there. Yeah, the older brother. Yeah, the older brother comes in with the younger brothers with 
the priest having mass, or I forget. And uh, I was like, yes, war has declared. Finally, something is happening in our lives. And guess who the first man down in the movie is? <laughs> yeah, he, he doesn't. He doesn't last five minutes. I, no, that, that older brother. I I will I will not repeat the the sentence I said out loud after he said that line. I was like, "You're first to go." Basically, well, I liked at that point the I didn't realize the priest was going to be no it's, a, a, a yeah. main character. I and I thought you know he, I could see the look on his face that. As they left, the the two brothers leave in excitement. The the candles in the church go out, and and he's looking at and he's looking up with tears in his eyes, like yeah. you know well, now it's gonna go on. I mean, he he knows you know he's a little older and he knows the horrors of war. The first and then right at that we cut to this fight scene, and it was you're right, it was kind of derivative of it, yeah. I'm of, getting uh, to that. Uh, I would say Saving Private Ryan. You know, yeah, you have this I, huge action scene up front. I, I said it, it was trying to be Saving Private Ryan and Life is Beautiful kind of at the same time. Yes, I, and, I, and I would agree with that assessment. It, it's it had good production values. I'll I'll give it that. It had it had some good acting. It, I yeah, mean, the, I w- I was impressed with some of the shots. Like like I said, uh, you know, the priest is looking at his candles and they are. Oh, they're all blown out, and yeah, then there's the, a fade to uh, the German characters, um, the the two singers who who end up going to the front lines and performing for the soldiers. But the 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 woman is singing uh, Ave Maria, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it's that nice fade from from one religious setting to kind of another. She's actually singing on a stage, um, but it you know just little things like that. Yeah, you know, no. The were, direction was, was the direction was fine. The acting was all fine. I, I guess my biggest problem was the script. Yeah, and it. it do you want to go ahead? Well, you know, war movies. I mean, I, I, I think we're on the. I think we're gonna say the same thing. Yeah, it, it mean, had every single war movie trope you can yeah. imagine. All the the irony. The of course the idiot brother who's so eager to go and fight is the first man down. Yeah. Um, of course, the guy who loses the wallet with the picture of his wife. Of, of course, the German soldier he happens to be talking to just happens to have the wallet on him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the the guy who wants to go home, you know, he he goes home one last time and gets yeah. uh, killed yeah. right before the end. Uh, yeah, there was a a lot of these things. I kind of got sick of war movies. Uh, one, uh, I, you know, I, I told you before how I like to give myself little assignments like one was watching um trying to watch all the steven spielberg movies and like really love his sci-fi movies not a big fan of his like historical stuff and especially his war movies are kind of even saving private ryan i I, think i think saving private ryan is fantastic yeah that that one stands above i can never watch it again it's it's so i've watched i've watched it a couple times and i've seen it twice if three three times three times I've probably watched it about the same amount of times, and but it's very interesting if you watch the Seven Samurai, and then watch Saving Private Ryan. Very very similar in structure. Um, you know, in the Seven Samurai, you have uh, a collection of uh, Ronin who get together to protect a village. You have a collection of soldiers who are brought together, and at the end, they're protecting a village. Uh, the same kind of character types. Your, you know, your favorite actor who gets killed at the <laughs> first. Oh yeah, uh, I I wasn't gonna mention uh, that. You know, and 
You know, he he has a representative in the Seven Samurai. I think they start out with eight soldiers. I think in in Saving Private Ryan, but um, the main characters, you know, they have the same sort of types. You know, especially mm-hmm. the uh, not Toshiro Mifune. Um, he he's more like the uh, is it Tom Skerritt? No, not Tom Skerritt. The guy the guy who's like the second in command on Private Ryan. Edward Burns. No, not Edward Burns. The other guy. Who always gets in trouble for beating his wife? Oh, Tom Sizemore. Tom Sizemore. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. That's like I Mifune, think they're actually know. his girlfriends. Yeah, it's, it, domestic violence. Okay, poor, poor guy. But um, anyways, yeah. There, I, I noticed a lot of similar themes in the war movies of Steven Spielberg. You know, War Horse and everything. Yeah, and and I'd like to point out that um, Saving Private Ryan is not itself devoid of war movie cliches it still has tragic irony and in the d-day scene the guy taking his helmet off and then getting shot immediately again is springs to mind yeah. but there's a couple things like that yeah in the movie in joy noel yeah in, and saving private ryan yeah. too fun fact <laughs> in saving private ryan when they meet the first John Ryan, who's uh-huh. from Minnesota, who thinks all his brothers are dead. Oh, that's uh, that's Nathan, Nathan Fillion. Fillion. Yeah, first thing I ever saw him in. Yeah, I I I always forget he's in that. Every time I watch it, I think the last time I was like, oh, that's right, that is he wasn't here. But um, uh, yeah, another assignment I gave was since we're doing film critique in this and. I tend to like everything. Uh, <laughs> Mike actually has probably a, a more uh, critical eye for I'm, a film than I do. I'm finicky. <laughs> I thought, well, maybe I should watch good movies and develop my taste a little bit. Uh, so, well, let me watch all the best picture winners, you know, the Oscar best picture winners. Uh, <laughs> um, some of how'd them that did, work out? <laughs> some of them really didn't deserve yeah, it. No, no. Uh, <laughs> especially right after World War One, you had. Right about that was right about the time to start giving out the award. First winner was Wings, which is a fantastic film. I have um, not actually seen that. Uh, find it with there. There's uh, special effects and sound effects added by Ben Burt. Okay, it's fabulous. And then there, there's uh, five or six years of this is a war movie. War is bad. This is why. And then it's worse after World War Two. There's about 15 years of these, you know, just one after another. Like like uh, How Green My Valley Was. I didn't even watch that one because what should have won that year was Citizen Kane. But <laughs> but since, you know, uh, Orson Welles ticked off everyone in the, in the media industry, they wouldn't even look at the film. So I watched Citizen Kane instead. But everything else is like a war movie. There's a couple British ones. I mean, some I couldn't even find on DVD. I, I had to find on videotape because there's like it's just a, they they just gave it the Oscar because it was a war movie. You and can still play videotapes. I still have a VCR that works. So. Wow. All right. Yeah. I probably could, but it's yeah. not hooked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, it's this. But you're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, the same. It's for. I don't know the last century now. The war movie has not evolved very much at all. It, it's this, <laughs> from from Wings to this movie, Join a Well. It, it hasn't really changed much. Yeah. Does Casablanca count? Casablanca is not a traditional war movie. And it's uh, it's fantastic. It's a love story. Yeah, right. It's a love story where it's kind a, of war a, gets in the yeah, way. Yeah, with with war, with a, you know intrigue and 
Yeah, that that's like the complicating action. It's not like yeah. the the main thrust driving the movie. This love that could never really be, you know. I so. took a class on war films in college. Oh, did you? Yes. It was offered at night, so traditional students <laughs> weren't weren't really able to take it, but there was a workaround where we could uh, sign up for an independent study and then show up for the classes. Ah, okay. And uh, so I wrote on uh, a paper for my, I don't want to say thesis because it wasn't a master's class, but um, my final paper, uh, which was part of the independent study requirement, was about... Uh, comparing how the tone of movies changed uh from the the type of attitude toward the mili- the combatants if you will I, I remember i talked about uh i think with crimson tide as the focus how it had gene hackman and denzel washington being old school and new school and like the green berets was still it it was a modern war in Vietnam, but it was still that jingoistic World War Two. Let's go, yeah, kick some butt. Like uh, my grandfather liked the war movies. Is, is one of his favorites was The Dirty Dozen with. Uh, I, I think I, and... I think I saw that for this class. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there's really two kinds: the kind that kind of glorify a war, uh-huh. and the ones that war is bad. It, it Hamburger really, Hill, Sands of Iwo Jima, Thin Red Line, Apocalypse Now. I I saw Apocalypse. <laughs> I didn't see Thin Red Line. Thin Red Line. That one kind of gets lost in its own philosophic. <laughs> I I I won't watch Terrence Malick movies just on principle. <laughs> I I need. I was an English major. I need plot. Yeah, that's just like kind of rambling. Yeah, but. Yeah, th- this one, even though nothing happened, it did. It did have a direction. Oh yeah, but it's more like it's. Like, it's almost like you had your complicating action, which is the fighting, and then everything was sort of a resolution after that first ten minutes. Yeah, and that that's why the ninety percent of your movie is sort of denouement. Yeah, <laughs> that, I think that's what maybe it's, it's the two singers going back and singing. It's. Yeah, playing cards and talking about how many bullets you have to fire a day, and yeah, burying the dead, and burying the dead. Yeah, it, it, but it was these these three groups. Yeah, the Scots and the French were allies, you know, fighting the Germans. Mm-hmm. But everyone realized that the differences is basically the uniforms that they're wearing, and that you know, underneath they're all the same. Especially uh, it, this is brought home, you know, after they call a, a Christmas Eve truce. Just because they're all singing, and the first thing that brings them together is music. And what is more basic to a human nature than than singing and making music together? Also intrinsic to our human nature is our spirituality. And so a- after the singing, they commence with a, a Christmas Eve Mass, you know, Christ Mass. And it, it's very interesting. Uh, they do it in Latin. Right. I, I had to ask Tammy, Adeste Fidelis is Latin, right? That's not German. Right. Okay. It, it, it is Latin, and I was going to look up what that means. I used to know what it means. It, it's it's not, O come all ye faithful, right. like, like we sing. It, it has some more significant meaning. That was, I think, the high point, like the climax of the movie for me was there was that mass, where you have all these soldiers from three different countries speaking three different languages. Um, but the thing that they had in common was... That mass, and the the things that they knew from memory that they could say, and they could all worship together, 
And the the priest says after the service, he's talking to his commanding officer, and he's like, "That was he's like that was really great. I th- I think they just wanted to forget about the war, wanted to just get together as men. But I think it was something deeper than that. It was this connection we have between us, and if you have that relationship with God." You're going to see everyone else, you know, no matter where they come from or how they speak or, you know, even if you're fighting against each other, you know, we're all created in God's image. And that's the thing that we remember. Once that camaraderie and that connection was made, they couldn't fight because, like you said, you know, their commanding officer showed up and was telling, you know, he's saying, shoot the bloody crowd. And, you know, and, and the priest's superior. I don't know what if they said he was a monsignor or whatever he was bishop maybe. I don't yeah, know. he was saying how how dare you? Yeah, you know his nationalism was taking over for his spiritualism. It, we kind of get that in, in America. It's like God bless America. Oh you yeah, know, it, kill them all. Let God sort them out. It, it, it's like well, God's not for this nation or for that nation. I mean, the lines that we draw on our maps are kind of arbitrary to him. He sees he sees peoples. He doesn't see the, the... He sees Pangea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, do, he sees the world as it was, as it is, and as it will be. And he sees us fighting and messing around and messing things up and destroying each other and the planet. And We're, we're called as Christians to, to, to love each other. I mean, Christ's commandment, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And the second commandment is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And how do you do that when, you know, you're being told, shoot that bloody crowd? You know, yeah. it's... <laughs> uh, I have an answer. Okay, the Adeste Fidelis question. Adeste Fidelis means, come all ye faithful. It does, okay. Yes, it does. All right, then I was... <laughs> I See, I never took Latin, so I, I always assumed it meant something more significant. Or come faithful people would be a more I, literal translation. Okay. So. O Come All Ye Faithful just takes up the meter. It is a, a religious song, and I think you know what starts the kind of the truce is they're they're all in their trenches, and it's cold, and it's Christmas Eve, and they don't really feel like fighting. So the Scots, all the Scots pull out their bagpipes, and they start singing this song. About, it's basically about going home. It's not really nationalistic or anything. It's like, but everyone can sort of feel that 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 fervor of like yeah I don't want to be here in the cold and the mud <laughs> with the rats in my thing and then the german soldier who uh was a a singer he brings his wife girlfriend it wasn't really whatever do you know who that is no uh she was the girlfriend with air quotes of nicolas cage in the national treasure movies Oh, I, I I dare okay. say this might have been a better film. Uh, yeah, see our previous episode where we talked about the quality of Nicolas Cage movies. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, uh, yeah, the the German soldiers start singing "Silent Night," and they put up their Christmas trees and they get the Christmas spirit going. And it, then the the Scotsman starts playing. Oh come all you faithful on the bagpipes, right? And then they start he starts singing it. Yeah, it was the music, but it was the, the religious theme to the music that brought them all together. So, I, I think that we I th- we may have talked about this before the, the sort of the myth of religious violence. Here we see how several you know, in, times, yeah, in in the in the midst of war, it was people's faith that brought them together. And I think the the guy I, there there have been other times like 
the Crusades. Yeah. I mean, yeah, okay, this one time, yeah, religion brings people together, and yeah, well, I I would argue with you about the Crusades. There was there was we need to go plunder. We need some gold for our country. Right, we need something to fight about because there's nothing going on. I know. I need to distract religion. I I got other problems in my kingdom. Right, that, you know, people are plotting to get my throne, so I need to. I I, I, I understand. I was I was just. Yeah, everyone brings up the Crusades, yeah. <laughs> and everyone brings up Hitler. You know, that, that, uh, there's a name for that logical fallacy. Yeah, I I, I know what you're talking about. I don't remember yeah. the name of it. But the, uh, here in this one case, we see how uh, Christianity actually does what it's supposed to do and brings people together. In this one <laughs> case, you said it yourself. <laughs> I I don't know if this is relevant to the religious aspects of the film but did you notice at the beginning they don't go into any kind of explanation over what the war is over just everybody's fighting each other yeah that was on purpose right i think so okay otherwise the audience chooses sides yeah because really if you think about it and this was in an episode of the young indiana jones chronicles where he the young indy kind of lies about his age and joins the belgian army and when they figure it out, it's like, well, we're fighting on the side, you know, the allies mm-hmm. who end up, quote, win World War One. They're fighting on the side of the uh, Serbians who fired the first shot that killed the Archduke Ferdinand, which started the war. The German and Austrian alliance, they were actually sort of defending themselves because they didn't fire the first shot. The Serbs did, and all the, you know, Britain and France and America who were, well, America had, didn't join the war until much later, but that's why Indy was part of the Belgian army. But he figured it out that, yeah, we're fighting on the side of the people who actually started this war. And they ended up winning. That That is that is more than I ever knew about World War One. Yeah. It, it, started, it started with the assassination of Archduke Ferdinand, the I, Archduke I, of I, Austria-Hungary. Yeah, that is all I ever knew about. And then Germany allied with them, and then everyone else allied against them. When uh, After America jo- had joined the Allies and uh, helped defeat Germany, then they had the, what is it, the Treaty of Versailles, which uh, President Wilson helped to negotiate. And it was basically punishing Germany for, for losing. <laughs> Not starting the war, but for basically losing. And uh, they had all these economic and military uh, sanctions levied against them. And basically, they ignored all that, especially when the Nazi party was elected into power. Uh, that's right. They were elected into power. And that's what uh, World War One is really the spark for World War Two. And that the, I knew. And uh, a bit of a cliched irony, which was actually quite good. At, you know, after they had the mass and, you know, everyone's all together, the, the German commander of the troops comes up uh, and says, well, you know, I'm Jewish, so this Christmas stuff didn't mean a whole lot to me, but it was still nice to see everyone get together. And it's like, yeah. it kind of smacks you in the face, yeah. but it it was like, oh, man. Have fun fighting <laughs> for those guys, buddy. <laughs> yeah. and uh, in, uh, Enjoy the next 20 years. Yeah, and it wasn't. I don't think it was on accident either that oh, at, no. at, at the end of the movie, the, the German uh, commander shows up and is very disappointed that they're not fighting. So he, he sends the uh, the whole German uh, – it's not a battalion. Uh, the he, he sends all the – The Germ- guys that were fighting there. He, he sends the, the all the troops back, and they get 
they get shipped back in a very dimly lit box car. Uh, th- ah. That yeah. Uh, I I don't think that was no, on accident. You're right. There. I, that was you know, that no, was. I was so ready for the movie to be over that that was lost on me. Yeah. But the, the, yeah, the Jewish guy yeah. sitting in a in a box car being yeah. shipped back to Germany. Yeah, that was pretty. That was that you know, was not, a little on the nose. You're right. I can't yeah. believe I. <laughs> I guess that's all I have to say about that. So your your final yeah. judgment on Joya Noel. I how do you say it again? <laughs> Joya. Joya. There is. <laughs> Joya. Just stop. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Deutsch. Exactly. Uh, Joya Noel. Uh, and I'm probably butchering it, too. <laughs> I'm just giving Robert a hard time. <laughs> it's all right. Um, I'm not sure under what circumstances one would watch this and enjoy it, because um, it's a little heavy. Yeah. It's it's not a fun sit-down Christmas movie. If If you like an uplifting war movie... There you go. I'll tell you why I liked it. Because it was it was the war's bad sort of movie, but it it, it didn't make you feel bad about it, you know. I yeah. felt pretty bad about it. Well, Those people was, were miserable. Well, yeah, but <laughs> the way they were brought together and they had they had uh, that time in the in the middle of the movie where they were coming together as brothers brothers in Christ and brothers in humanity and and their nationality wasn't uh, the thing separating them. That was a positive thrust to, you know, war's bad, peace is good. And usually, especially the the ones like the post-World War II ones where you get like the aftermath of the, the post-traumatic stress syndrome and the, the shell shock, as they called it. And one guy lost all his limbs and his arms and didn't think that anyone could love him or be with him anymore. I forget which movie that was, but. You know, war is bad. This is why, because life is horrible the rest of your life because of it. And this one, it it showed how peace is good in the midst of war, and and that's why I liked it because it was a, a different take on the war is bad, but and it was well crafted. But at the same time, it's still a war movie. Yeah, and I think that's what was holding it back because <laughs> it you know you either like war movies or you don't, and I I I've kind of been war movied out. <laughs> Agreed. So, okay. Now let's uh, slide on over to TV Corner. I I have to start off by saying that uh, for years, Robert would occasionally quote to me some sci-fi reference or some off-the-wall thing from Veggie Tales, and I'd be like, yeah, whatever, leave me alone, there's religion in cartoons, and I don't want to hear about it. The absolute biggest surprise to me from this whole fatherhood adventure (laughs) is that I like Veggie Tales. (laughs) (laughs) I actually enjoy sitting down and watching it with my daughter, because it is wacky and I don't want to say irreverent that seems like the wrong word under the circumstances but it they they, they have they, fun they, with they, the material yes yes there is a lot there is plenty of non-religious stuff there is plenty of off the wall random humor which is right up my alley uh, there they did a um Tom and Huck episode and I have not seen that one right 
while while we were watching it, we were having a little just just a hiccup with the video where we got it on DVD out of the library and it froze up for a second and you know I had to take the disc out and clean it and put it back in. Yeah. It eventually got it to work. So we're watching it from where it had left off and a little later on in the episode it just freezes again. And my daughter's like, What happened? And then there's like a vehicle of some sort in midair with the number zero one on it and the narrator starts talking and it occurs to me it's a Dukes of Hazard parody. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, nothing, honey, this one's intentional. <laughs> and Oh, it froze on purpose like Yes, like, like they did. <laughs> Oh, that's right. That's hilarious. And like none of the kids watching would get that. Oh man. And it it never it never talks down to the kids. It's it's always literate and highbrow and it has a lot of different kinds of humor. It it never it's never sledgehammery, if I can get that word in yeah. you know, once per episode, <laughs> I feel like I need to. It's it, your it's your trademark. It is. It it doesn't it doesn't do that. It tells the funny story first and makes the point and then at the end they give you a Bible passage and it's cute, it's clever, it's like two guys do ninety percent of the voices, which I am thoroughly impressed with, and I can't tell I can't tell them apart. Yeah, you know, like on Futurama, I can tell which ones Billy West does. <laughs> I have no idea who does what on the show. Yeah, they're that it's that good. I really like the way that they put in other references. One of the first ones that we saw, like back in the day, like mid nineties. Um, yeah, because my oldest was born in ninety eight. So late nineties then. So when we started watching them, and uh, it was Josh and the Big Wall, which is you know the Battle of Jericho and stuff. So they have the part where they're marching around the wall, and they have these two French peas on the top of the wall, jeering the people down below, just like the French guy <laughs> yes. uh, John Cleese in Monty Python. So there's definitely. <laughs> That yeah. influence there. Like they, they have a say. My daughter really likes the singing. My daughter loves anything where they sing every two minutes. So that's why she likes Veggie Tales. Yeah. And every episode has a silly song or some variation. Sometimes yeah. they call it something else, but that's what it is. Yeah. The the very first one has one of the main characters, uh, Larry the Cucumber, uh, singing about how everyone has a water buffalo. <laughs> and then there's a character named Archibald Asparagus who's a a, a stuffy British character like yeah. uh, like Graham Chapman's British. <laughs> yeah. This is all very silly. He comes in and stops the song and says, "Stop being so silly." Yeah, <laughs> total total Monty Python. Yeah, reference. So, guy on Facebook who thought Monty Python was filthy, the Veggie Tales guys <laughs> didn't think so, <laughs> and, uh, and they know wholesome. That's right. It's just it's it's good clean. Entertainment. It's oh it's, yeah. It's the definition of family entertainment. Well, have you seen uh, King Dave and the the Ducky? I think no. that's what it was. No, I haven't seen it's that. It's the one David yet. and Bathsheba story. Okay, they actually pull this one off. Uh, yeah, um, it's pre- pretend I didn't watch every episode of the Bible miniseries. Which one's David and Bathsheba? David and Bathsheba. Okay, here's the story of David and Bathsheba. And in the time when kings go off to war, David w- was staying back in his palace. While he was walking along, he he looked down on his kingdom and saw a woman, a very beautiful woman, taking a bath. As one does when one is king. As one, and, and so he's... And, and who doesn't have the internet. That's right. So he sent for Bathsheba, 
when you're king, you know, and right. he comes calling, you go and do what the king says. Uh, she laid with him and conceived. Well, Bathsheba was married to Uriah the Hittite. So David's like, oh, crap, uh, what do I do now? So he sends for Uriah from the front lines who's fighting and says, um, hey, Uriah, you know, why don't you come eat with me and stuff? And he's like, hey, why don't you go home and, and uh, you know, see your wife and stuff? And he's like, no, I can't do that. Not while my brothers are dying on the lines. You know, he, he sleeps in the in the gate of the palace. So David's like, what are you doing, man? Come on, let's let's go drink. Let's get drunk, you know. And and then he could go home. But Uriah, he, you know, he, yeah, he eats and drinks, gets drunk, but he's like, no, I'm not. The the Ark of the Covenant is in the, the tabernacle in the tent, and my friends are sleeping out in the field. How can I go and home and eat and sleep with my wife? And so David's like, oh, what am I going to do? <laughs> so he sends Uriah back to the front lines, and he... Uh, sends word to Joab, his general, and says, okay, what what I need you to do is put this guy up in the front where the fighting is the heaviest and then draw everybody back and let me know when this is done. So, yeah, this this happens. And so they bring word to David, like, hey, we attacked the city. We took a lot of losses, but your servant, Uriah the Hittite, is also dead. And David basically says, yeah, well, these things happen. <laughs> <laughs> and after Bathsheba had the time of mourning, marries David and has the baby. One of the key words in the in in this passage is send. You know, David sends for Uriah, he sends for Bathsheba. Bathsheba sends word to David that she's pregnant. He sends Uriah back to the front lines. God sends Nathan to David. Nathan is the prophet. And he tells him the story about this uh a uh, poor man who had this sheep, and he loved the sheep. He bathed the sheep. He fed the sheep. He, you know, slept with the sheep. I think not. Not in the biblical yeah, as, sense, but as one does it, he, in he, when you don't have the internet. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, he this was this sheep was his pride possession. Well, then this rich man comes upon. He's got a whole herd of sheep, and he's like, "Well, I want to have a party. Well, hey, I don't want to kill any of my sheep. Kill that guy's sheep." And David's like, that's wrong. You shouldn't have done that. And Nathan's like, eh, who do you think this story's about? <laughs> and David's like, oh, crap. <laughs> so in the in the VeggieTales version, you have Larry, who's king. And he's taking a bath on the top of his palace. And he sees another bath. No one's in the bath, but another rubber ducky. So he takes the other rubber ducky, and he's taking a bath with this rubber ducky. And it's like the Great Pie War or something. And so he sends you know, the owner of the ducky, you know, Uriah the Hittite, and he gets hit with a pie. And I guess it, that's bad. <laughs> so when uh, Nathan shows up, um, I think it's the asparagus. Okay. Uh, <laughs> he tells him the tail end, you know, in the Sunday school flanograms, <laughs> I don't know if you had this, but they used no. to have these things where you had like a flannel board and you would stick like other pieces of flannel up there and they would kind of, okay. you'd demonstrate these Sunday school stories. It was, it, it's a, a sort of an inside joke, but uh, he, he does the story of the sheep and Larry realizes, oh, I should give the ducky back. So yeah, they, <laughs> they had to take a lot of liberties with the <laughs> biblical story. Yeah. You talk about it being wholesome and clean. Yeah, yeah, very clean because 
<laughs> it's uh, Larry who's taking the bath in this story. So, yeah, it's it's impressive. Um, but another another thing that's that's very funny is uh, go to the exchange and you can find it for like five dollars. The Jonah, a Veggie Tales movie. Uh, my sister in law has it. Yeah, buy it and own this movie because. Okay. There's some good songs in there, but listen to the commentary. Is, is that the one you were telling me about? Yeah, the, it's the it's Wookie suit. Yeah, they they do they they do a commentary like the creators, um, Mike Wawowski. Something. Yeah, Mike. It's not Mike Wachowski. That's from <laughs> Monsters University. <laughs> wrong, and, wrong CGI. Yeah, kids and um, it's. Hang on, just I'll, I'll uh, get it so we don't. Embarrass ourselves. Yeah, uh, it's too late for that, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Naraki and Phil Vischer. Phil Vischer, yeah, the Vischer name is coming. Phil Vischer, yeah, they do a commentary as themselves where they talk about how they made the movie and stuff. Then they do a commentary in character nice. as Larry and Mister Lunt. Nice. <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> it is absolutely because then they're they're talking about. They, they start the, talking the, about the Muppets like the, do the same thing on some of theirs. Yeah, like at one point they're talking about you know Jonah. They t- it takes place on the scene. They're talking about the digital water and stuff. And yeah, George Lucas was telling me about how to do the the digital. And and, and he's like, well, where did you see George Lucas? Oh, I, I met him at the laundromat. He was washing his Wookie suit. <laughs> and the whole thing is like that. And they're they're talking about. Uh, like the Matrix and how they <laughs> digitally remove the wires. It's like the it's the wire removal. <laughs> I mean, it it is it's it's worth just because if you don't watch the movie a ton, which you will with your daughter, uh-huh. you know, watch it again for yourself with that commentary. It is one hundred percent entertainment. Okay. A lot of the earlier ones, you know, were very heavily. Religious oriented. I mean, they did. Yeah. They did the the Bible stories. Yeah, and there's when a they, ton of like. There's an Esther one. There's a David yeah. and Goliath one. Yeah. Um. And they they did have others that weren't like specific Bible stories, but like one of their early classics is uh, uh, "Where's God When I'm Scared." It has the song "God Is Bigger Than the." That's on one of the Man. CDs we bigger got from the than Godzilla or the monsters on TV. I've so, heard that song a lot. I don't think I've seen that episode, but yeah. I've heard that song a yeah. lot. They they have a Star Trek one. Oh, uh, I haven't seen the Star. Trek. Yeah, there's a there's a Star Trek one, and uh, um, it's like I've a flying seen... pie in space. You know, the saucer dish is a pie, and it, it's great. I've seen the lying one a couple of times, where where Larry is Larry Boy, the oh, superhero, and the the rumor weed. Larry and the yes. rumor weed yeah. is what that one is and um so they, they they would have the morals and then um after they did that Jonah the movie the Jonah and the uh, the whale movie like like I told you before it, it had a sort of a shrek sized budget but it didn't earn shrek sized <laughs> box office so uh they had to like sell the company and they did more mainstream kind of stuff where they did like um Lord of the Beans, which was which a... I thoroughly enjoyed because I was working my way through the Lego Lord of the Rings video game, so yeah. I, I thoroughly enjoyed watching Lord of the Beans. Yeah, but it didn't really have any kind of no. religious moral to it. At no, all. it didn't. It was just fun. Yeah, and they—I mean, it had it had a lesson to it, but yeah. you no, know, it wasn't. I don't think it was. 
biblical. They yeah. might have said a Bible verse at the end. I yeah. don't remember. And because uh, I think at this time, um, I was just reading on Wikipedia how um, when they put they put the shows on NBC and they cut out a lot of the religious references. They edited those out. So it was probably a, they were probably had that in mind while they were making them. They caught a lot of flack for that. I, I from the like a hardcore VeggieTales fans and I. I believe I have said at home that uh, if VeggieTales didn't have religious stuff in it, it would be perfect. <laughs> for for me. For me. See, I liked it. I thought, when, when I first heard of the VeggieTales, this was around the time I was getting married, before uh, we were thinking about kids. And then once we had the kids and started watching them, I saw their quality. Because a lot of the, the, the Christian children's entertainment that had come prior to that was awful like have you ever seen bible man yes oh it's an, an embarrassment I'll, I, and i'll tell you why i'll tell you why somebody i used to work with used to like i i think he liked it ironically he used yeah. to like charles in charge it, it was like okay. a joke in the office and then bible man came out so we all had a good laugh over that because the the guy who plays bible man was on charles in charge oh was he yeah I don't remember Charles. I remember it was Buddy Charles. from Charles in Charge was Bible Man. Oh, that dude. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> I don't know if that's a step up or a step down. No, that's a step down. Okay. I mean, because he's doing, he's trying to do something that's you know good for the kids, but it's just it's bad. It was just no. They should have had like two or three more story meetings before then. Yeah, I mean, there's. <laughs> I mean, this goes to my beef with. Christian's view on art. I mean, Christianity used to be, if you wanted to see high art, you would go into the church. You would see sculpture. You would see paintings. You'd hear these marvelous works of masterpiece music performed by the most renowned artists of the day. Yeah, and then the aesthetics took over, and you ended up with iconoclasm and and yeah, four walls on a sermon was sort of the the hallmark of of the Calvinists. Uh, iconoclasm where they went in and smashed all these works of art and you still have that iconoclastic thing today where it's uh, everything of the world you know this is you know separation between the the world and the church and everything that's not inside the church is somehow tainted and evil but you know god created the world and he said it was good and on the sixth day he created man and said it was very good you know, how can all these things in, in our world and our culture be awful and terrible if God himself said it was good? That's why I kind of like the VeggieTales, because it's actually good. And, yeah, they, they're kind of, sometimes they sneak in the moral or the religious message, but it's still good. It's just a shame that, you know, because we've reviewed some of these religious movies like, you know, Fireproof, and they're they're... They're substandard and they're derivative of other movies. And I saw Fireproof at the Blockbuster sale. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, There's probably going to be there for <laughs> when they close <laughs> up. It's going to be thrown away in a trash bin. Uh. But it, it, it's just a shame that more Christians don't, you know, get together and you know elevate their art a little bit. It's kind of a double-edged sword, though, because you, you see a lot of the the Christian music yeah. industry taking off. But, you know, and it's it's you really have stuff that, uh, you know, is playable on the radio, but it's not singable in church, especially, you know, when you had when you had the, you know, the great masters of music, you know, writing these great works of art. Even then, sometimes the music became unsingable back then and they kind of got away from congregational singing. 
but we're 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 in that trend again where it's it's the music the art is still leaving the church even though it's for the church it's not in the church mm-hmm. which is a shame so but that's my <laughs> one of my diatribes i'm sorry i i i'm almost gonna go on one like i did on paul so i'll, I'll stop here i just like <laughs> the silly songs <laughs> <laughs> now that those are high art man <laughs> yes Oh my god, I can I I just I don't know where they come up with some of the wacky ideas. Uh, well, like, we were just singing the cheeseburger song. Yeah. I love that. The water the, buffalo. The, yeah, that Barbara was like the Vanity. first one. Yeah, the Barbara the, it's it's called Endangered Love and the concept of the song is Larry the Cucumber is by himself in his room on the countertop where he lives watching a soap opera at night in the soap opera is about a manatee who wants to go to the ball and her boyfriend who wants to go out into the world and do noble things, but the boyfriend can't dance and she doesn't speak French. So (laughs) they can't do the other's thing. I forgot about all (laughs) that. I just know the song. (laughs) Before we go, uh, I'd also like to point out that it's all CG animation and if you watch some of the older ones, you can clearly see how oh, the yeah. technology has improved in the yeah. character designs. Um, and the rendering, too. It's that's that's what I mean. A lot better. That's what I mean. Um, as opposed to certain other shows that were on for 20-plus years whose format and special effects budget didn't change much aside from going from black and white to color in its sixth season. That's a discussion for another day. <laughs> yes, it is. Maybe next per- time. Perhaps next time. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's your final judgment. That's on. that's my final judgment. I, I am just blown away, more so than I thought I would have ever have been over talking vegetables, especially Larry. Larry's my yeah. favorite. And you know, since you know this is a Christmas episode, uh, you know, check out—they do have a couple Christmas have, specials. Yeah, um, so. I have it on good authority that uh, somebody who lives at my house is is getting some on DVD for ah. Christmas. Ah, yeah. Don't tell her. <laughs> <laughs> so um, they're from Grammy. Ah, okay. Before we go on, and just note, you know, we 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 kind of joke about you know Vin Diesel movies and how I genuinely enjoy them, and Mike genuinely does not. And just this past Saturday, from the time of the, this recording, Paul Walker, one of the stars of the Fast and Furious movies, died tragically in a car accident. So, you know, my prayers go to his friends and family, and you know, to the you know the cast of the Fast and Furious movies, who I'm, I'm sure are, are broken up about this. But and, you know, I'm. I'm genuinely sad uh, because, like like I said, I, I enjoyed those movies. I know there's one more coming out that they finished filming. Uh, I'm curious to, to see what happens if they continue on the series without him. They did make one movie without him, the third one, but uh, you know that w- it just wasn't the same. So we'll we'll see how it goes. But uh, until that time, may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, be with his family and friends. And that's all we have to say about that. Okay, so uh, for next time, we have actually discussed this beforehand, so we don't need to pause recording. <laughs> <laughs> um, little little behind-the-scenes peek there, folks. Uh, on our next episode, we will be talking about uh, Life of Pi, which was a recent release nominated for Best Picture and Best Director for Ang Lee. 
and in TV Corner, <laughs> Doctor Who. <laughs> so yes, I, 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 would, I won't do that again. I, I would not have uh, done the theme. We'll we, we'll we'll do the. Uh, We'll do the theme song together, <laughs> like we did with Veggie Tales. Maybe that'll be the new thing for TV Corner. Yeah. Robert and I will sing the theme song because we do that anyways. But I usually cut that out. And I, I put a few on the, our our extra gonna... bonus episode where we had the look the for outtakes. it. Look for it coming soon in your Berean Christian bookstore. <laughs> Checking the gate, the album. Robert and I do covers of all the TV shows we've talked about in TV Corner. Acapella, 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 baby. Even or, The Walking Dead. Oh, yeah. Which I can't hum <laughs> off the top of my head. I can't even think of it. it it's like some string yeah, tone thing. It, it it reminds me of X-Files. A little bit. Yeah, that kind of theme. Yeah, but we'll find a way to do it. Right. So, yeah, it, and in terms of Doctor Who, we won't just be talking about the, just the religious content of the TV show. We're going to go outside the text, as it were, and look at its impact. Oh, stop using big words. We're going to nerd out. Yeah. Well, yeah. We'll point out some, some videos and where people have pointed out, well, maybe Doctor Who fandom is a religion. So, I don't know. There's a lot of things, a lot of fandoms you could say. Yeah, we'll talk about that next time. So, until then, you can catch us on Facebook, on Twitter, at CTG Podcast. You can also send us an email at... Uh, CTG Podcast at yahoo.com. Find us on Twitter at CTG Podcast and at Michael M. Patty. That's right. And see, we also have a Google Plus page, but does anyone go to Google Plus? I have never been to Google Plus. <laughs> I have two Google accounts. It's, I have never been to Google Plus. It's like, you know, the, the ugly stepchild of yeah, Facebook. It's, so. it's an also ran. Yeah. Um, oh, um, I'd like to give a shout out to uh, on Twitter. Um, Meister Spork tweeted that uh, he's, he's your friend. He, he tweeted that uh, he, he had a brush with internet fame uh, by being mentioned on the podcast. So I'd like to mention him again and point out, since he's listening, that more people probably saw my tweet back to you than are listening to this right now. <laughs> well, I, we've actually had a lot of more uh, Twitter followers, so uh, All right. hopefully, hopefully they're listening. I haven't checked lately. Top notch. Welcome so, aboard, folks. Yeah, I, I so. hope our blather doesn't scare you off. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, we hope you enjoyed the episode, and we hope you join us next time. So, until then, this is Robert saying keep the faith. And Mike saying peace out.
That was actually pretty good. That was pretty good. 